Good morning, everybody. Welcome to Living Hope. We're glad that you're here. We'd like to begin our services with this greeting Christians have been using for a long, long time. The Lord be with you. Thank you. It's, uh, it's good to be back with you after a Sunday away last week. Um, yeah, it's good to be together. And uh, whether you're here in the room, whether you're joining us online, uh, we're glad that you're here. And uh, we're going to begin with a quick word of prayer. So let's bow our heads and pray to the God who's invited us to meet with him today. God, we're grateful for your invitation. Uh, we are grateful that you have invited us to uh, gather together to connect our hearts and our minds with you. Uh, you are the God who never leaves us and never forsakes us, but you know uh, that for us, on our side of things, it is easy for us to forget you're with us. It's easy for us to get so caught up in what we've got going on that we forget that the God who made us loves us and is here for us every second of every day. Uh, so God, we thank you for this moment when we can be reminded of your presence with us. When we can, we can be reminded that we can open ourselves up to you at any moment. We can turn to you and call out for you. We can sing to you, pray to you, um, and you're here. So would you help us in this service uh, to connect with you, to hear you speaking through your scriptures, to, to meet you at the table of our Lord Jesus in all that we do, God. It's our hope that we might connect with you. So thank you for inviting us here. I thank you that you have moved us to accept your invitation. We're here, God. And we're ready. So we give you thanks in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Uh, well, if you are interested and able, let's stand and let's sing as we begin.
from uh, the book of Romans, chapter 5, verses 6 through 8. Paul writes, You see, at just the right time, when we were still powerless, Christ died for the ungodly. Very rarely will anyone die for a righteous person, though for a good person someone might possibly dare to die. But God demonstrates his own love for us in this. While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Yeah, you can absolutely sit down. Um, good morning, everybody. Uh, I'm Katie. I normally hide out in the back back there, so this is fun for me. Um, I'm one of the uh, members of the church board, if you don't know who I am here at Living Hope, and this is my you know, fellow partner here, Greg. Um, and with that being said, uh, this month, 
you know, is almost over, but it is Pastor Appreciation Month, and we as a church board very much appreciate our pastors as we know that you do. We wanted to take a moment to express our appreciations uh, for not only Pastor Rich, but for our associate, Pastor Judy, and our youth director, Jason. They all work incredibly hard to serve us and to help serve our community together, and we just wanted to take a second to say thank you. We should, we should applaud now. You're right. In the back today, um, Deanna has three buckets that are decorated according to pastor. Um, if you have um, a card or a gift today to give to one of our pastors, um, feel free to put it in whatever box you think that you would need to. There's one with a goatee on it for obviously Judy. Um, the glasses, the, oh, okay, great. I'm so glad you did that today. Um, a box with some sunglasses on it for Jason, and then we've got one with some incredible hair, obviously for Rich, because he has so much of it. So. Also, it seems like a really good time to let you all know that uh, recently, and by recently we mean several months ago that we've just been putting this conversation off, um, we met with Dr. Dave Bartley, who, who preached here on Sunday, all those Sundays ago, um, who's our district superintendent. This is a regularly scheduled thing that happens every four years, so it was very normal for him to be here. And his job is to evaluate the relationship between the pastor and the church and to make sure everything is still good with us. And we're happy to say as a board um, that it is. And we still enjoy having Rich as our pastor, and he still enjoys being our pastor. If you read his emails, he, he says that every time, right at the end. Um, so we just want to say thank you for being, you want to say it? Oh, so thank you for being a good church. I should put my glasses on. Ah, oh, there we go. And thanks again to Rich, Judy, and Jason for leading us well. Now we're going to let Judy pray. <laughs> I think I can speak on behalf of all three of us and say thank you for letting us serve you. Um, it's a pleasure, truly, and a, a privilege to be here. Rich is nodding in the back, so he agrees. Good. Okay. <laughs> um, so let's, let's read Psalm 100, shall we? Shout with joy to the Lord, all the earth. Worship the Lord with gladness and come before him with singing, joy, singing with joy. Acknowledge that the Lord is God. He made us and we are his people, the sheep of his pasture. Enter his gates with thanksgiving and go into his courts with praise. Give thanks to him and praise his name for the Lord is good. His unfailing love continues forever and his faithfulness continues to each generation. Pray with me, would you? Lord, we are so thankful for this church. We're thankful for each person that's part of this church connected to Living Hope in some way, shape, or form. Lord, for the, for the love and the community that we feel here, that we, we acknowledge, Lord, that it's really because of you. It's only because of you that we can be connected this way. It's a very special place, Lord, and I personally am very thankful, as I know each person here probably is too. I thank you again for inviting us here this morning, for being in our presence, for orchestrating this morning for your purposes. And so, Father, I pray that you'll be with this rest of this time that we're together, that you would be with Pastor Rich as he brings your word this morning. May it, um, may it truly, truly, and I know I say this a lot, Lord, but may it truly transform us. You've promised, Lord, that, that your word will never go away, be cast out void, that it will always come back. And it does good things in us and through us and sometimes in spite of us, Lord. So we pray that that will be the case today, that it will be this morning. And for all of that, Lord, I want to give you the glory and the honor and the praise. And we pray these things in your name. Amen. And now the peace of the Lord be with you. Well, take a few moments and pass the peace amongst yourselves as we anticipate Pastor Rich coming forward. I'm, I'm guessing that those of you watching online are just kind of like, okay, that's, that's our time to fast forward or to, you know, I don't know what, we can't, you can't exactly say hi, chime in in the comments, I guess, but um, yeah, and I don't know if you can hear all the conversation that's going on in the room, so it's a, it's a nice perk to being here in person. You get a chance to catch up with people and to say hi, hi, and uh, and uh, see how people are doing, and obviously uh, stick around after the service and do that same thing, right? I mean, I don't think any football games start right away after the 9 o'clock service, so you got a little time to hang out and catch up, that sort of thing. Uh, thank you for your expressions of appreciation and all of that. I'm not 
I'm not always a big fan of like the made-up holidays and stuff, like Pastor Appreciation Month or whatever. Uh, you guys appreciate me, and you tell me that all, all year round, so thank you. And I do appreciate the chance to, to be your pastor. Uh, it's, a, it's a good thing. Um, uh, by way of uh, announcements, I did just want to make sure that you knew. Uh, you can grab one of the little cards in the back and jot a note to us if there's a way we can be praying for you or thanking God with you. Or if you have a question, um, and drop it in that little offering box back there. Uh, or you can go online to livinghope.info slash connect. There's a little digital version of that. You can just type in your message, and, uh, and that'll get to us right away. And we can follow up with you this week. And if you're giving, you can do that online as well, or you can drop it in the box back there. Um, thank you to those of you who've been giving to the Habitat Fund. We're in the middle of raising money for this uh, Habitat house that we're building in Valparaiso right now. In fact, just yesterday, uh, there was a crew of us out there building. Uh, thank you, Sam, for helping coordinate that. And uh, uh, that was a lot of fun. Um, I had to leave early, so I don't know. Did you guys end up just undoing all the work we did after I left? Or is that? Yeah, yeah, okay. All the work I did anyway. Okay. Um, that's, you know what? I did not swing a single hammer or pound a single nail the whole time because I was measuring and cutting and that kind of stuff. So uh, it was a little different than last year where all I did was, was pound nails the whole time I was there. Uh, we will have another build day coming up. We don't have it on the calendar yet, but if you'd like to help physically build the building, uh, watch for that. We'll have that at livinghope.info slash habitat. Uh, but also you can give to the Habitat Fund, and uh, we've had a donor that has said they'll match up to 15000 uh, that we give from our church. So if you want to help us get as much of that as possible, that'd be great. Uh, you can give online. You can write Habitat on the envelope and drop it in there. And uh, however you want to do it, that's, that's fantastic. And uh, that way we can help build that house for someone in our community that, uh, that needs housing. So that'd be a good thing. Um, I feel like there was something else I was going to say in the announcements a little bit. Oh, yeah, some of you uh, have been asking, like, well, how can I plug in? How can I serve? I'd like to do something. I'd like to get back in some way. And, and if you know, like, food and coffee and stuff, that's one way that you could help. Um, every Sunday we provide coffee and snacks and whatnot, and there's a whole bunch of cupcakes this morning that spell out, I think, like, thank you, Pastor Rich, or something like that on top of them, uh, until you guys eat them anyway, and then they won't say that anymore. So I hope you, I hope you eat some of those. Uh, but if you, uh, if you know coffee or you want to help with that, you know, we, we provide that every Sunday, and you could help make the coffee, set it out, make sure the coffee things are full and all that. Uh, we've got a couple of people that have been doing that like every single Sunday, and uh, it'd be nice for them to get a break. And so if you wanted to serve like once a month on that rotation, uh, that'd be one way that you could get back on a Sunday morning. Um, and I'm thankful that you guys, uh, for the most part, are very involved already. You're serving people. You're, you don't just limit your service to other people to like what goes on here on a Sunday. You're involved in the community in dozens and dozens of ways, and that's a beautiful thing. So thank you for being a church that cares about other people. Um, <clears throat> let's see. Okay, for this morning's message, uh, next week we'll start a little series during the month of November um, that touches on a topic that we all love to, to talk about, money. All right? So if you don't want to hear anything encouraging about money, then just stay away for the month of November. All right? Uh, but if you need some encouragement in that area of your life, if you want to hear some of what God has to say about that part of who we are, and you're thinking like, yeah, I could use a little bit of help, uh, then show up next week, and we'll be talking about that topic and generosity and gratitude, tying in with Thanksgiving, you know, and before we all go, like, totally blow everything with Christmas. So we figured November's a good time to talk about that, and then we'll have an Advent season. We've got some books we're going to be giving you for the season of Advent uh, through the end of the year, and we've got some fun stuff planned for 2023 uh, as we go through the Bible together. Uh, so today is kind of like my last little shot before we start this series, series, series kind of thing, and, um, and I was thinking, okay, well, Halloween is tomorrow, and uh, <clears throat> Halloween seems like the one time a year where it's like normal for us to dress up, you know, as something unusual, right? Uh, we ate at a restaurant Friday night and our server had like, I think with a cat ears and a scratch and, you know, whatever. And she had dressed up as something different every night that week, she said. And as we were walking back home, uh, we saw some folks just for no particular reason, just dressed up in costume, you know, like full body furry something, purple costume. I'm not sure what was going on there, but anyway... You know, Halloween is that time when people, you know, you have parties where you can dress up as something or, you know, all the kids get out on Halloween night and, and dress up. Whether it's the simple, you know, sheet with a couple of eye holes cut in it, you know, and it's like, hey, there we go, costume. Uh, or the old, did any of you remember the, the costumes? I remember this when I was a kid, that like every costume, it seemed like, was basically the same. It was a plastic mask with a st you know, stretchy thing, holes, and a hole, a tiny little hole to breathe through, you know. And then maybe you had the rest of a costume that you put on that went with it. And it didn't matter if you were Superman or what, who you were dressing up as. It was a, a plastic mask you know, with, a, with a little uh, stretchy string around the back. 
Um, these days, people get a whole lot more creative. Uh, they can do those inflatable things now. I just saw a friend, their kid was dressed up as like a Minecraft character, and it was all inflatable, you know. Um, I know Katie is dressed up as like one of those inflatable T-Rexes. I don't know where you got that costume from, but, um, you know, you see those wandering down the street, dinosaurs, all inflatable. And uh, it seems like, and my boys this year, uh, let's see, what have they gone as in the past? They've been Paw Patrol characters. They have been uh, superheroes. Um, they were dinosaurs one year. That's right, because that was the year Katie was in dinosaur costume. Yeah. Um, this year, they're finally going for the very first time as something that they actually are. They're, they're wearing their BMX racing uh, outfits. So they get to do some BMX racing every now and then. And uh, so they've got helmets and they've got the, the gear. So they get to dress up as that this year. Um, but it seems like the one time where we actually get to use our imaginations and kind of pretend to be someone different, right? Um, I know when, when my kids were dressed up as dinosaurs, they walked around going, rawr, you know, and growling. And, you know, when they're dressed up as superheroes, they went around running around like they were, you know, fighting crime or whatever. Um, it's a chance for people to not just dress up, but like act like whatever they're going to be, right? I mean, if you're dressed up like a zombie, it seems pretty silly if you're just like, you know, walking around like your normal self. You got you to gotta do the zombie walk and, the, uh, and all the rest, right? Or, or it just doesn't work. Uh, and so there are numerous places in scripture that talk about this new life that we receive in Christ, almost as if we're putting on a new costume, like a new self, a new set of clothes that, that help us to, uh, to picture ourselves, to imagine ourselves as the new person that God really is making us to be. And so we're going to look at some of those passages today, including this first one from Romans chapter 13. These are all from the New Testament. Actually, I think these are all from the Apostle Paul's letters. He was writing to these early Christians, trying to help them see, look, you've got a new life that you've been called into now. You've got an old life you can leave behind and a new life that Christ is providing for you. And so in Romans 13, he says, the hour has already come for you to wake up from your slumber because our salvation is nearer now than when we first believed. The night is nearly over. The day is almost here. So let us put aside the deeds of darkness and put on the armor of light. All right, so he's like, you got, you got to get rid of this and put something else on. So, he's, so you've got this deed of darkness that you're putting aside and you're putting on this armor of light. We're going to get to that armor language a little, a little bit later. Um, so he says, let us behave decently as in the daytime, not in carousing and drunkenness, not in sexual immorality and debauchery, not in dissension and jealousy. Rather, clothe yourselves with the Lord Jesus Christ and do not think about how to gratify the desires of the flesh. He says, if you're going you're to put on something new, you clothe yourself with the Lord Jesus Christ, which is a weird thing. If all of a sudden I'm getting like Silence of the Lambs vibes and stuff here, you know. Uh, <clears throat> sorry, that's not what it's talking about, all right? You clothe yourself with Christ is this idea like your life should look like Jesus' life, you know. So it's like, it's almost like you're dressing up like Jesus for Halloween, okay? And what would that look like? What would that look like if, if everyone that looked at you saw like, Wait, who are, you, who are you supposed to be right now? You know, oh, I'm, I'm Jesus. Okay, well, so what would you, how would you behave if you were representing Jesus, you know, in a particular situation? We know how to act like a zombie. You know, you know how to act like a superhero. How do you act like Jesus? What would that look like? Uh, one of the ads that scrolled across my Facebook feed just this last week was for some podcast where they were, they were looking at um, people who are identifiably religious, like people who their religion requires them to wear like a turban, you know, or their religion requires them to wear a, a yarmulke or to have their hair a certain way or a veil or those sorts of things. And like, how does that work in American society? We say that we're, a, you know, uh, we've got religious freedom, but how do people re actually respond when they can tell by looking at someone, wait, you belong to a particular religion? Because most of the time, like, if, if you bumped into me walking down the street, you wouldn't know I was a pastor, right? I'm not wearing, like, a black thing with a collar. You know, I don't wear, like, the robes or anything like that. I'm, I'm not important enough to get one of the big pointy hats, you know, or any of that. Um, so you wouldn't know, like, hey, he's a pastor. And you wouldn't necessarily know, like, hey, he's a Christian. He's following Jesus, right? That just gets evidenced by the way that we, the way that we live. So I'm kind of thinking about, okay, uh, what would it be like to to identify as Christian in our daily walk, in the way that we live, to clothe ourselves with the Lord Jesus Christ. Now, in this passage, which I apologize, I don't have them on the screens, which means those of you online, uh, you don't get to see them in front of you. This is Romans chapter 13, verses 11 to 14 is what I just read. Um, so Romans chapter 13, where in verse 14, he says, clothe yourselves with the Lord Jesus Christ, and the contrast, he says, and do not think about how to gratify the desires of the flesh. 
kind of these old practices that he said we got to take off. So you got to take off the old outfit before you put on the new outfit, right? Otherwise, it doesn't fit. Right? If you try to just clothe yourself with the Lord Jesus Christ and you still got all this other junk underneath it, like, yeah, that doesn't work. You're, like, lumpy in the wrong places and the outfit doesn't quite, you know, can't get it all the way on kind of thing. He said, you got to, so the contrast here is like, okay, I got to quit thinking about how to gratify those selfish desires. I got to start thinking like Jesus. Uh, in his letter to the Galatians, chapter 3, uh, starting with verse 26, he says, so in Christ Jesus... You are all children of God through faith. For all of you who are baptized into Christ have clothed yourselves with Christ. There he uses that same image again. It's like you've you've put on Christ. You've clothed yourselves with Christ. There is neither Jew nor Gentile, neither slave nor free, nor is there male and female, for you are all one in Christ Jesus. Saying all those things that once divided us, that you'd look at somebody and you'd treat them differently because of that. Because of their religious background, Jew, Gentile, or ethnic heritage, uh, neither slave nor free, kind of those economic barriers or whatever, uh, or just even basic stuff, male and female, where uh, especially in that society, but still sadly sometimes in ours, people get treated very differently depending on what what their gender is. Uh, He's saying, look, none of that stuff matters. You're all one in Christ Jesus. You have clothed yourselves with Christ, and that's what matters. You are all one. What does it look like to put on Jesus? They're gonna, we're going to see some examples here in just a minute. Uh, in his letter to the Colossians, he, um, i got to back up a little bit. He says something very similar to what we just read in, in Galatians 3. In Colossians chapter 3, he says something similar, but i gotta, I got to ease into it. All right. So the beginning of that chapter, he says, Since then you've been raised with Christ, set your hearts on things above, where Christ is, seated at the right hand of God. So he's assuming you've been, when he says you've been raised with Christ, he's saying if you have put your faith in Christ, you've died to an old life and you've been given new life in Jesus. Just like Jesus died and was raised to life again. He's saying you have been raised with Christ. You have experienced this resurrection life here and now. The life of Christ is, is making you alive. Parts of you that were dead before are alive today because you've said yes to Jesus. So since you've been raised with Christ, he's saying set your hearts on Things above, where Christ is, seated at the right hand of God, this place of authority. Set your minds on things above, not on earthly things. For you died, and your life is now hidden with Christ in God. When Christ, who is your life, appears, then you also will appear with him in glory. So weird kind of picture there. But he's saying you are connected to Christ in like an essential way. And so there's a part of you that is like, like he says, well, your life is hidden with Christ in God. And when Christ returns, when he shows up on the scene again, we will appear with him in, in glory. Things will be different then. But in the meantime, we get to set our hearts, set our minds on things to do with God, things to do with Jesus. And he contrasts that with, with earthly things, which, which he doesn't mean like, you know, don't care about if your leaves are raked or your lawn is mowed or your, you know, don't, don't worry about if your bills are paid. Or, he's not saying, like, you know, don't care about ordinary, everyday stuff. He's saying your, your mind can't be controlled by the stuff, you know, like the stuff that you might want, or the selfish desires we were just reading about in that other passage. Those things that sometimes can consume us. He's saying don't let those things consume you. Yes, you take care of your responsibilities, and yes, you love your neighbors by taking care of your leaves and stuff. You know, yes, you, you do all the stuff you got to do, but that doesn't determine, like, your, your mindset, your attitude, you don't view other people just the same way that everyone else in the world views people. So if you've got a whole bunch of folks that you hang around with that all you know, like to laugh and point at people like that over there, you don't necessarily join them in pointing and laughing at people like that over there. right? Sorry for those of you sitting on that side of the room. It's just point to this. All right. Instead, because your mind is set on Christ, because you're thinking about things the way God thinks about them, you know, well, that person over there is loved by God and was created by God in his image. That's somebody that Jesus died for. I'm not going to poke fun at them. I'm going I'm to love them. I'm not going to participate in this, you know, ridiculing of them. I'm going I'm to love them. I might stand up for them even. I might speak up for them to make sure that they're cared for because I'm thinking differently about the people around me. So he, he continues, it, Put to death, therefore, whatever belongs to your earthly nature, sexual immorality, impurity, lust, evil desires, and greed, which is idolatry. In case you were thinking it's like all lust and sex stuff. You're like, no, greed, is, he's like, that's like worshiping idols. Because of these, the wrath of God is coming. 
you used to walk in these ways in the life you once lived, but now you must also rid yourselves of all such things as these, anger, rage, malice, slander, and filthy language from your lips. Do not lie to each other since you've taken off your old self with its practices and have put on the new self, which is being renewed in knowledge in the image of its creator. And then he says that thing that sounds a lot like what we read earlier. Here there is no Gentile or Jew, circumcised or uncircumcised, barbarian, Scythian, slave or free, but Christ is all and is in all. He says nobody gets like uh, a head start with Jesus, right? It's not like anybody's gotten an advantage with him. He's like, nope, Christ is all and is in all. No, doesn't matter what your background has been. You need Jesus just as much as the person sitting next to you. You know, every one of us uh, can connect with Christ. Whether we were raised as, as the Apostle Paul was in a Jewish household, knowing the scriptures, knowing the stories of God, knowing about God's faithfulness back from creation on through the present day, or whether you were raised in a family that didn't have any kind of religion, really, or worshiped some other God, or you know, whatever kinds of Gentiles, non-Jews, that, that he was encountering, that now we're coming to Christ. He says they don't get bonus points because of how they were raised. No, they... We all are on the, same, on the same plane. We all have to put off an old way of life and put on a new self. We'll have to dress in the full costume. <laughs> and that's where he goes next. He says, therefore, as God's chosen people, holy and dearly loved, clothe yourselves with compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience. Bear with each other and forgive one another. If any of you has a grievance against someone, forgive as the Lord forgave you. And over all these virtues, put on love, which binds them all together in perfect unity. So if clothe yourselves with Christ was a little too ambiguous or whatever, and oh, I should have said this a moment ago. When I think of like clothing yourself with Christ, if you're going to live like Jesus in the world, then, then maybe you picture like, okay, so how did Jesus live in the world, right? How did Jesus respond to people? And that's, you, your imagination is shaped then by reading the scriptures, and, uh, and I hope that you do that so that your imagination can be shaped in that way. So you'll know, well, I don't know how Jesus would live. Well, read the stories about Jesus, right? Read Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, these four accounts we have in our Bibles that talk about Jesus and how he interacted with people. And how did he act when he came across someone who others were rejecting and putting it, pushing to the side? You know, how did Jesus reach out to them in love? And how did Jesus respond when powerful people confronted him? You know, how did Jesus respond to, you know, all sorts of different situations you can read about that, and then you know, like, oh, okay, so if I'm clothing myself with Christ, it means I'm going to live like this. you got to picture yourself. How would I have responded in that situation? And then you see how Jesus responded. You say, oh, okay, there's a gap there. All right, I, I need to respond differently, perhaps. So here, he's just given some examples in Colossians 3. He's like, well, think of it this way. Clothe yourselves with compassion, for example. So you think, okay, how would a compassionate person respond in this situation? What would it look like for me to live a life of compassion? Clothe yourself with kindness. Okay, how can I be kind? You know, when I go to, when I go to work tomorrow, you know, how can I be uh, kind? How can I be humble? How can I be gentle? How can I be patient? All these things he describes, right? As I go through life, what would it look like for me to, to be dressed like this? Uh, I think we put out on the sign as you drive by, one of the signs says, uh, this Halloween, dress up as kind. You know, that was one that fit real easily from that list, right? Uh, what if you dressed up in your everyday life as a, as a kind person. So that people recognize like, oh, you're, you're so kind, right? They might not say it that way to you, but <clears throat> if they were asked to describe you, they'd say, oh, you know, they're, they're really kind. They're really patient. You know, they just demonstrate patience. Or they're, they're gentle. And they had to say some tough stuff to me the other day, and they were so gentle about it. I really appreciated it. What would it look like to, to be compassionate? This is what we're invited to do. Invited to see ourselves in that way, to picture ourselves living a different kind of life. And that, that can be a challenge for us, right? And, uh, and I'm, what I'm not recommending here is like the, the whole fake it till you make it thing, right? Like uh, just, just act that way. It doesn't really matter if anything changes on the inside. Just act compassionate. And even if you hate them on the inside, just you know, be nice anyway, right? Because uh, we talked about just a couple of weeks ago, our, uh, it, what goes on inside just really matters because then that's what comes out of us when we talk to somebody. You know, from the overflow of the, the heart, the mouth speaks, is what the Bible says. And so if what's going on in your heart needs to change, well, let's, let's let Jesus change it. But that's the reality that Paul's dealing with here is like, okay, Jesus is changing you. Jesus is changing you from the inside out. And so now our lives need to reflect that. And so if, 
if our lives are not looking like Jesus, if they're not looking like compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, patience, we, we might have some work we need to do, right? We might need to spend some, some extra time in prayer asking Jesus, hey, can you help me? <laughs> I, I'm, I'm, trying to, I'm trying to live a life of compassion. I'm trying to live a life of kindness. I'm trying to clothe myself with these things, and whew, it's a struggle, you know. But it's a, it's a struggle that's worth, worth engaging in. It's worth uh, dressing up as these things because this is, this is what Jesus looks like in the world. And this is what we can look like as, as the body of Christ here in the world. Remember, he's, he started out that chapter, Colossians 3, by saying, look, you have been raised with Christ. Your life is hidden with Christ in God. This is the reality that you have experienced. If you put your trust in Christ, he has changed you. He has made you new. He has raised you to life, to this new life. The struggle is we're, we're so used to the, the old comfy clothes that, you know, that, that we've gotten used to. And yeah, yesterday we got together at my parents' house for some family pictures, and, uh, which we get every couple of years, I guess, or something like that. Uh, they get a photographer to come out and take pictures of us so they've got something new to put on the wall uh, in the entryway. And, and, uh, and thankfully share them with us too. So thank you again. Uh, but um, <clears throat> at some point we were walking through the entryway and I, was, I thought, okay, those must be George, my nephew's shoes. He's, you know... How old is George now? Is he 16? Is he, how old is George? Anyway, he's a teenager, and his feet are huge, and he's tall, you know. And, uh, and there were these shoes where, like, one shoe had these orange shoelaces in them, and the other one had no laces in them. And I'm like, these have got to be, hey, George, are these your shoes over here? And he's like, oh, yeah, those things are really old. I said, I bet they're really comfortable, too. He's like, yeah, they are, <laughs> you know. And do you have that? I mean, you've got that, that outfit, you know, that you like to put on because it's just comfortable, you know. It's, you've, worn it, you've worn it down to it's, it's nice and soft now, those clothes are. You know, the, the shoes have formed themselves to your feet in a way that, like, okay, those shoes might be a little comfortable. I put these on. It's like, ah, okay, now, like, eased into those. And, and sometimes it's like our old life can kind of, it's like this new life is a little bit new to us, and we're not quite sure how to move around in it yet. And we're trying to put on Jesus, and we're trying to live this new life. It's like, ah, I'm not sure this is, fits me yet. And so we slip back into the, the old outfit, and we slip back into the old comfy shoes, slip back into that old way of thinking, that old way of living, and Paul is encouraging them, hey, don't, 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 don't do that. <laughs> Take that outfit off, and, and we're being encouraged today. Yeah, don't, don't, let, don't let that old self, you know, those old habits, those old things, don't let that lure you back in. Keep, clothe yourselves with kindness, clothe yourself with patience. So it, it will fit, you know, it does fit. This is your new you that Christ has given you. Uh, in Ephesians chapter 4, we're going to look at some from the, his letter to the Ephesians here. And uh, I was aiming for Ephesians chapter 6, but I had to back up a little bit and I realized, oh yeah, in Ephesians chapter 4, we were just talking about that the other day. And uh, there were some verses that I had to cut out, and these were some of them. Ephesians chapter 4, verse 23, he says, You were taught, with regard to your, regard to your former way of life, to put off your old self, which is being corrupted by its deceitful desires. It's like, that, that thing's got holes in it. That thing's not, you don't want to wear that anymore to be made new in the attitude of your minds and to put on the new self created to be like God in true righteousness and holiness. you got a new life that is a life that brings beauty, that brings life to others, a life that is, that is good, the kind of life you'd like to have, the kind of life you'd like your neighbors to live, right? You know, this is the, the new self that has been given to us. And so then he gives examples, and some of these examples we looked at a few weeks ago. He says, therefore, each of you must put off falsehood and speak truthfully to your neighbor. You know, don't let any unwholesome talk come out of your mouths, but only what is helpful for building others up according to their needs, that it may benefit those who listen. Did a whole message on that just a few weeks ago. So he gives some examples of like, okay, put off this old self, put on this new self. Put off lying, put on speaking truth. Put off talk that cuts people down. You know, put on a way of speaking that is helpful. Build others, build others up. And then finally, at the end of his letter to the Ephesians in chapter 6, he gets to this, uh, this costume that I don't remember if I... There's a part of me that feels like I had one of these costumes as a kid, but it might have just been something that we had at church, like when they were talking about this in children's church, and so I got to put it on at some point. One of those Roman soldier costumes, you know, with the full, like, breastplate and the sword and the helmet and all the stuff, you know, with the little brush on top of it or whatever. Um, and Paul uses that image to talk about like what God provides for us in Ephesians chapter 6. He says, Finally, be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power. Put on the full armor of God so you can take your stand against the devil's schemes. Uh, now, I'm just, I'm going to make an assumption here real quick. And I'm not entirely based, not based on nothing. 
But I'm guessing that some of you, as we've been talking this morning, talking about putting on Christ, putting on compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, patience, some of you, especially some of you guys out there, have felt like, oh, so i got to dress like a girl. Because <laughs> you feel like these are soft virtues or something. You know, to be kind, to be humble, to be gentle, to be patient, feels like less manly than perhaps you would like to be. And I hear that. I understand that. Um, I think that's, you know, all kind of stereotypical and whatnot. You know, men, men should be kind and compassionate and humble and all the rest. Uh, the best men are, I believe. But Paul uses a very different image in the end of Ephesians chapter 6 that maybe will connect more with, with where you are. This idea of being strong in the Lord and in his mighty power to put on the armor of God so you can take your stand against the devil's schemes. For our struggle is not against flesh and blood. You know, it's not against other people but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the powers of this dark world, and against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. So there is a spiritual reality that we don't see, and that's where the true battle lies. That's where our struggle is. Your enemy is not your political opponent. Your enemy is not that person who's got a yard sign out there that you, you know, are, don't like seeing as you have to go down the street. You know. um, our enemies are not other people. Our struggle is not against flesh and blood, which is an interesting thing to say when there were real flesh and blood people in his day that might have been putting them in jail, might have been persecuting them, right? But he's saying, look, that person's not my enemy. My, my enemy are the, are the spiritual powers of evil. So he says in verse 13 of Ephesians chapter 6, Therefore, put on the full armor of God, so that when the day of evil comes, you may be able to stand your ground, and after you've done everything, to stand. So the image now is of like a Roman legion, right, that's under assault. And their commander is shouting at them, you know, stand, right? And, you know, they've got the shields out in front. And he's like, you know, don't back down. Don't, don't give an inch. You know, he's saying, you got to stand your ground. After you've done everything, to stand. Stand firm then with a belt of truth buckled around your waist, with a breastplate of righteousness in place, with your feet fitted with the readiness that comes from the gospel of peace. In addition to all this, take up the shield of faith with which you can extinguish all the flaming arrows of the evil one. Take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit, which is the word of God, and pray in the Spirit on all occasions with all kinds of prayers and requests. With this in mind, be alert. and Always keep on praying for all the Lord's people. This is the image he uses as he's concluding his letter to the Ephesians and letting them know you do have an enemy. Who's going to try to persuade you to go back to that old way of life, right? You have an enemy who's, who's going to try to say, yeah, you haven't really changed. You know, you, you still feel the pull of that old addiction. You still feel the pull of that old habit, right? You, you know that's the real you. This, this church stuff's just phony. You've been putting on a good act for those people. You've been wearing the, the costume, but that's not, you're not really different. These are lies that the enemy tells you. These, these are flaming arrows of deception that the enemy is shooting your way, trying to get you to believe that God isn't really doing anything for you. He's not really able to, to make a change in your heart, in your life. He's saying, no, you've got to stand against that. You've got you to armor up. You've got to be ready so that you can take your stand against those kinds of lies, these flaming arrows. And what was it? The, it was the shield of faith, he said in verse 16, that extinguishes those flaming arrows, that, Shield of faith of trusting God, saying, God, I'm going to trust you. You have already won this battle. You have defeated my enemy. You have set me free from the power of sin and death and the devil. I mean, that's what Jesus accomplished in his death and resurrection. He defeated that. The devil is a defeated foe. So the war has been won. And the devil's just putting up these, these little skirmishes, trying not to give up the ground that he's already really lost. He doesn't want to see you live a new life. So the, the full costume that you need to put on, the full, you know, here's this picture of the armor of God. And I put in there, like, see Isaiah and some Isaiah references. Isaiah 59, verse 17. Isaiah 52, chapter 52, verse 7. Chapter 11, verse 5. Chapter 49, verse 2. These are places where the prophet Isaiah, back in the Old Testament, had used imagery like this to talk about God and what God was doing. So a lot of these Images, the breastplate of righteousness, the helmet of salvation, these are, these are images that the Apostle Paul is grabbing from 
the Old Testament from the prophet Isaiah. And these are images for the most part. Some of them are images of, of God coming to do battle and for his people. Some are images of uh, the coming Messiah, Jesus, and what, what the Messiah would do. Some are images of what the people of Israel are expected to do and how they're expected to, to be. This, this is God's armor, right, that we are putting on. Armor provided by God. Armor that, that God, I suppose you could say, that God already has worn as he has won this battle. Now he shares it with us so that we can win as well. So that we can truly live the new life that God has purchased for us with Jesus Christ. So that we don't have to live a life that just slides back into the old comfy clothes of sin, of selfishness, of whatever that might have been that was keeping you separated from Christ, that was keeping you from living the full human life that he created you to live. A life filled with love for God and for each other. Now he has welcomed you into this new life. He's rescued you for it. He's paid a high price so that you could be a part of this, this new life. And so maybe, maybe, uh, maybe what you need to think of is you think of like, okay, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to put something on. I'm taking off an old life and what I'm putting on. Maybe you need to think, okay, I'm putting on the armor of God. I'm going to make sure that I'm, I'm listening to the truth, that the belt of truth buckled around your waist. I'm, I'm going to listen to God's truth. I'm not going to listen to the lies of the devil. I'm going to listen to God's truth. I'm going to make sure that what I fill my mind with is, is the truth of God. Well, that means you're going to spend some time listening to the Bible in your headphones throughout the week or, or reading it or getting it into your head and into your heart. I'm going, to, I'm going to pay attention to the truth of God, not the lies of the devil. The breastplate of righteousness in place. You know, this, is, this is God's righteousness that he gives to us. You know, this, is, uh, this is the main part of armor right here that covers this whole you know, middle part of us, covers the vital organs. This is God's righteousness. It's not my own righteousness. It's not my own ability to perform that, that saves me, it's God, what he has done for me in Jesus Christ. And so as I put my faith in him, as I trust in him, he protects me with his armor. Our feet fitted with the readiness that comes from the gospel of peace, this good news of peace that, that God has, uh, has given us in Jesus. Uh, says this is what will carry us through. And then we take up that shield of faith, like I already mentioned, trusting God, and the helmet of salvation, the sword of the Spirit, I don't think we need to get real specific like, you know, oh, and salvation protects your head because, you know, or something like that. I think, I think Paul is grabbing some images from the Old Testament saying, look, you gotta, this, is, this is God's armor that he's providing. He is the one who saves us. It's his spirit that, uh, that works on our behalf, that it's like a sword, right, the word of God. Um, we don't need to take up arms against other human beings. Yeah, that might be tempting, he's saying. It might be tempting for us to think we've got we to gotta fight our way out of this. But I don't know if you remember Jesus himself when he was before Pilate, um, when he was standing before the guy that had, who was deciding life or death for him, the Roman ruler. And he's asking him, you know, are you the, are you the king of the Jews? Are you truly a king like they say? And, and Jesus says, well, if, if my kingdom was of this world, then my followers would fight for me. You know, they'd be taking up arms. They'd be fighting you right now, but they're not doing that. He says, my kingdom is from a different place. He says, my what it, what it looks like to be in charge. He says, I'm, I'm demonstrating a different type of authority. It's a different kind of kingdom. It's a kingdom that, that doesn't, <clears throat> doesn't assert itself with weapons, but, but changes the world through love. This is the kingdom that, that Jesus inaugurates, that we get to be a part of. So my hope, I guess my hope today, is that uh, you can begin to picture yourself differently. All right? Um, you can begin to picture yourself as a, as a person who really can live a new kind of life uh, in Christ, a new kind of life here in the world because of Jesus and his life um, being at work in yours, his Holy Spirit guiding you, transforming you from the inside out. Uh, we, we sometimes can get so down on ourselves and so stuck in a rut of thinking like, yep, I've failed to this temptation so many times, I'm just going to fail again tomorrow, I'm going to fail again today, right? Just thinking like, I can't really be any different. And the truth of God's word, the truth that so many of us in this room have experienced, is that no, you can be different. Your life can be very, very different as you trust in Jesus Christ. And so I want you to picture yourself that way. I want you to think, what would it, what would it look like for me to be able to stand firm against that temptation or against that lie, against that scheme of the devil? What might that look like if today I don't give in to that? 
if I don't give ground to my enemy, but in fact trust God that what he has said he will do, he will do? What would that look like if I were to actually say yes to Jesus in this part of my life? And what would it look like tomorrow if I were to respond to that coworker with kindness? What might I do? How, what would that look like? And to actually imagine that, to picture that, to let God transform us, the renewing of our minds. What was some of the things that were talked about that? In, oh, back in Ephesians chapter 4, to be made new in the attitude of your minds. You're putting on this new self. Right? The Bible says that so much of it starts in the ways that we picture ourselves. And I think that's why Paul gives them these images of taking off something and putting on something. Maybe, that's, maybe that can help you. Maybe you can just say that in prayer to God. Okay, God, help me to take off this bad habit, to take off this particular aspect of my old way of life. I had gotten so used to that just being a part of who I am that I have a hard time picturing myself without that. But God, you want me to take that off? I will take that off and I will put on something new. So God, give me this new life. I want to live it. I want to live this new life that looks like Jesus in the world. And I think if we can begin to imagine ourselves that way, if we can begin to imagine ourselves living a different life and then trust God that he can actually make that happen, I think that's what it looks like to exercise faith in this in this way, in this world, is trusting God that he really can help us to be new people. That's why the last, uh, the last verse that I put in there is from 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 17. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, the new creation has come, the old has gone, the new is here. This is the reality of God's new creation work he's doing in Jesus Christ, doing in you and in me. Let's bow our heads. Let's pray to him before we celebrate communion together. God, thank you. Thank you for loving us. When we were so messed up, caught in sin, when we, had, we were experiencing the, the death that you had warned us about as we tried to do life our own way. God, we had, we had killed our relationships. We had, uh, we had done so much damage to ourselves and to the people around us and to this earth you've entrusted to us, God. We were, just, we were part of the problem, God, and for so long. But you never gave up on us. You've never given up on any one of us. Thank you, God, for getting us to the point where we're ready to say yes to you, where we're ready to trust you, that you really can make our lives different. God, we acknowledge today our need for your grace and your forgiveness. Some of us, God, are acknowledging this because it's something we have, we've built a habit of doing this as followers of Christ for many years. We, we continue to acknowledge our need of your grace and your help. For some of us, God, today might be the first time that we're realizing, I really do need your help, God. I have been living a life that, ugh, it was just a mess. I got to take that life off. And you are providing me with this new life that I get to live. Thank you, God. Then in, out of love for us, you came to us in your son, Jesus Christ, right into the middle of our mess, right into this, this broken world that we live in. You took our sin on yourself, and Jesus, by your death on that cross, by your resurrection from the grave, you conquered sin and death and the devil, and you set us free. We have died to an old life, and we rise to a new life with you. Thank you for this new life that you make possible for each and every one of us. Thank you for the people you surround us with, your saints, your people, God that you surround us with, who can help encourage us and support us and, and help us to not give up when we feel like giving up. Thank you, God, for encouragers like the Apostle Paul who has spoken these encouraging words to us. Thank you for those you've given us today who speak words of encouragement to us today, telling us that life really can be different. Thank you for your Holy Spirit that is at work within us, changing us from the inside out. You are good, God, and we are so grateful. It's why we celebrate, together with Christians around the world, the sacrament of Holy Communion. We offer to you gifts of bread and juice, and we pray that by your Spirit's presence here, we might meet our crucified and risen Savior in his body and in his blood. And we might remember the great price that was paid to set us free. Thank you, God. Thank you for this meal, for this food, for this medicine, for this, for this foretaste of the, the heavenly banquet that we will share with you one day. We need your grace that you give us 
in Jesus Christ. We offer you ourselves. We confess to you that we have not always loved you with our whole heart, soul, mind, and strength. We have not always loved our neighbors as ourselves. We confess our need of your mercy and grace, and we thank you once again that you are so quick to give it, that you do not hold our sins against us, but you have given us this message of reconciliation that, God, you are reconciling the world to yourself through Christ. Today, we are so grateful that we get to be a part of that that we get to experience your forgiveness, we get to experience your grace, that you wash us clean, you help us to take off that old way of life and to put on a new one. Thank you, God. We are so grateful. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Uh, Would you pray with me the prayer that Jesus taught us? Our Father, who is in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For yours is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever and ever. Amen. Amen. Uh, The musicians are going to come and lead us in one last song as we celebrate communion together today. I'll be here with this basket of bread and this cup of juice. And as we sing, you are invited to come forward, take bread from the basket, dip it in the juice and eat it, and then return to your seats. It's open to all of us who are saying yes to Jesus today. Uh, And if uh, if you've got the regular bread or the gluten-free stuff, or we've got the little individual cups, if you need to take that back to your seat, or if you just don't want to join the crowd, if you want to... Stay spread out a little bit. We've got those cups on your tables, and you can just peel it back right there and get to the bread and get to the juice. Uh, But this is open to all of us uh, who are grateful for God's love today. So let's celebrate it. Let's celebrate this sacrament together.
Thank you, God, once again, for the gift of love you have shown us in your son, Jesus Christ. Fill us today with the spirit of Christ, we pray, that that we might live in this world as the body of Christ, broken and poured out for the world, for the people around us that you love so deeply. Thank you, God. As we we approach, uh, well, it's All Saints Day coming up in a couple of days, when we think about those saints that you have blessed us through, those people of God that you've allowed your Holy Spirit to, and your grace to flow through into our lives. God, we, we pray that we might be that for others, that your grace might flow through us. Help us, God, to live that kind of life in the world by your Spirit's power at work within us. We pray in Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Well, may the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, the love of God, and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with you all. Amen.